We're going to start week number two of our Through the Waters series. Through the Waters. And today we're going to talk about probably, uh, probably the most popular Through the Waters story in Scripture, which is when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. But multiple times in Scripture, we see that water stood in the way of God's next step for people. And so today we're talking about the Israelites who were leaving slavery in Egypt and, and the Red Sea stood in their way. But right off the bat, there's four parties or characters or groups in this story. The first one is God, right? He's the star. The whole Bible is his story. All of history tells about him and how he interacts with the world. And so he's always loving. He's never changing. He's the same God. And we sang that today. The same God that parted these waters is the same God that, that has taken residence in you today if you've begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the same God. And then the second characters of this story today is the Israelites, the Israelite people. These, these are, you know, today we would call them Jews. These are the people that, that are native to the land of Israel. Why? Because God gave them that land. And so the Israelites, and, and as you look at the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament, you know, it, it kind of feels dramatic, almost like today when you, uh, now, now, get me wrong, it's not the same, but it's dramatic in the same way as some of you, I know you love that show, This Is Us, I've never seen it, but I hear people posting all the time, oh my goodness, I just couldn't handle it tonight, This Is Us, cry face, cry face, uh, emoji, emoji, emoji. And, and so I don't know what it's all about. I don't get it. But all I do know is it's dramatic, right? And there's ups and downs, and it tells the story of life. And, and you know, sometimes people mess up and do stupid things. And, and, but then there's love that brings them back together, blah, blah, blah. Maybe, you know, because I'm a guy, I just don't get it. But the Israelites, you know, there's just as much drama, and so in the same way, it's kind of like the same kind of people as you and me in that we, we mess up and we, we make mistakes and we're far from God and then we come close to God and we have an experience with God, but then, but then we forget about God and, and you got this back and forth. And then the, the next character in the story is Moses. And all throughout scripture, we see God using leaders and God using people that, that are just willing, or, or sometimes in his case, almost unwilling to say yes to God. But Moses reluctantly said yes to God when God called him and, and, and was the man that God used to help deliver the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Moses stood in the gap. He stood in the gap for the Israelite people, much like Jesus did for us. He stood in the gap and, and was kind of God's voice to them as, as God led them out of Egypt. And then the last character in the story is Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the, the king or the ruler, the emperor, whatever you want to call him, of Egypt, right? And he was the enemy. He was out to get them. And much like our adversary, the devil, he would not stop at any cost. He lied, he deceived. He wasn't going to stop until he re-enslaved the Israelite people. And so it's so much like our story, it's not even funny. There's, so there's some just parallels that we're gonna draw today to your life and mine. And God may never part the little Miami for you or, or, or Miami Meadows or whatever, your favorite East, East Fork or Stone Lake or, you know, you might never see that. But 
Here's what's true. I don't know why sometimes it takes us a lifetime. It takes us a lifetime to get our act together and to follow Jesus and to see how big he is and how great he is. But we can see through stories like this that God's gonna do whatever it takes to get us where he wants to take us. He's gonna do whatever it takes so that we can see his glory. God is gonna do whatever it takes. And so even if it takes us our whole life, all kinds of ups, all kinds of downs, just crazy you know, plot twists, we know that God is faithful. We know that he's faithful. And so today, just a quick spoiler alert, the Red Sea parts, the Israelites walk through on dry ground. So that's the gist of the story. But today I wanna focus more on the big picture. I wanna focus on the before, the after, and the implications of it, and just the big picture of God's story in your life and mine. Why? Because many times we focus on the miraculous. But this was one moment in time. It was one night. In one night, it took the Israelites to walk across that Red Sea. It was one moment in time. But based on our talk last week when we talked about creation, you know, God parting the Red Sea was really some small peanuts compared to what God can do. And so I almost don't want you to be distracted by this amazing miracle of the Red Sea parting, although it's kind of the centerpiece of the story, right? But let's, let's kind of take a step back and, and look at the big picture today. The first thing that we see, and so if you want to grab your notes or open up your Mosaic Church app, you can follow along in the notes section there as well. But the first thing that we see is that deliverance is a process that brings God glory. It's easy to think that that the Israelites being free was the whole point of this story, that they were in slavery. God wanted them to be free, and they were kind of the, the point. The point was to get them out and to get them free. But what we see is that deliverance is a process that brings God glory. You see, God gives Moses instructions that had to seem crazy to the Israelites at the time. He told them to go park themselves in front of the Red Sea instead of going around or taking the more direct route to the promised land to where God was calling them. You see, God has somewhere that he wants you to get. He has somewhere that you want, he wants you to be. And guess what? There's a gap in your life between where you're at now and where God wants to take you. And in that journey, sometimes it feels like we're going um, uh, through all these weird obstacles. It's like, God, why are you taking me through this? Why are you taking me through that? Why does my life look like this? I thought it was going to look like that. And we just don't understand. But I love what it says here because it's hard to understand God's plan. And sometimes it's better to just not even try and just, just say yes. Because in Exodus 14, 14, it says this. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. It's like, why, why, why are you doing that, God? But this is what he's doing. And he will chase after you. And you're like, God, I thought you just brought us out of Egypt. You just thought all these miracles and all these plagues. And, 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 but now you're going to make, make him chase after us again. I have planned this in order to display my glory, under that, underline that, to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there 
as they were told. Can you imagine? Moses gets these instructions. He relays them to the Israelites. I can imagine there's a few people in the camp that are just saying, what? What in the world? Maybe they even thought, I don't want to be used in this way for God's glory. I don't feel comfortable with this plan. Nobody consulted me. Nobody asked me. But it wasn't about them. It was about God's glory. And what a foundational principle in your life and mine that at the end of the day, no matter how much all our marketing and social media and our whole world is catered to make us feel better in our comfort and our and this and that, that at the end of the day, it's really not about us. Wow. But many times when we need to see deliverance, when we're in pain, we want to see, we want to see the deliverance happen overnight. Why? Because it's all about us. But here we, we not only see that Pharaoh's obstinate, he's going after the Israelites, but we see that the Israelites were too. They're, com- they're already complaining. They're already wondering if they made the right decision to follow Moses. And they're, they're already thinking thoughts like maybe we should be back in Egypt because at least we got to eat there. You got to remember back in Egypt, they had just seen God do all kinds of miracles. They had seen plagues plague the, the, the Egyptians. They had seen Moses per, perform some signs that God per, told them to perform. And so they had seen all this stuff, but God leads them to appear trapped by the sea instead of taking the more direct route to freedom. So what does this tell us about God? It tells us, number one, that he's patient, that he has a plan, that he's with us. But more than that, it illustrates just this picture of God having a plan, but the devil also having a plan for your life. You see, the devil chases you to enslave you. Write this down, it's, it's in your notes. The devil, just like Pharaoh, is chasing you to enslave you. You know, back on the playground when you were a kid, you know, it was kind of fun when the boys chased the girls and sometimes the girls chased the boys. And, and it's like, there's that first interaction where girls and boys are kind of like, you know, there's something there, but, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to chase them around and I'm, I'm never going to talk to them. I'm never going to make it known that, that I, I kind of have a crush or I kind of like them. No, I'm just going to chase them. And that's kind of cute. And that's kind of, oh, look, it's so cute. They're chasing each other around. But no, no, no. This is the kind of chasing where it's like, somebody's chasing you down an alley and you're in a movie and, 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 and maybe some of you just went and saw Jurassic Park and it's like you're getting chased by something that wants to eat you and destroy you. And, um, and, and you know, so that's the kind of chasing we're talking about. No, the devil wants to chase and destroy you and enslave you. But the Lord, the Lord pursues you to lead you to something better and it's all for his glory. The Lord pursues you you think about the difference between the word chase and the word pursue. You know, when you were dating, you know, your, your hopefully, uh, ladies, uh, your husband pursued you, right? He pursued you. And that, that felt a lot of different than just being chased, right? No, he, he pursued you. And in the same way God's pursuing the Israelites, he's leading them to something better. But something that we see there is, here is that you never lose your freedom in the process, And this is why God deserves so much glory, because he's so patient, because he's so sovereign, because the Israelites, they had to choose to follow. They had to choose to believe in Moses and to to follow his lead. 
But because slavery is so painful, we are oftentimes so consumed with our discomfort that we fail to see the glory of God in the process. And that's, that's where they were at. They couldn't see the glory of God. They couldn't see the whole plan. Just like you and me, a lot of times we can't see the whole plan. And just like the Israelites, we would rather step back into a known bondage than rather than step forward and venture into an unknown freedom. And we see this. They, they, they would rather go back to Egypt because they didn't understand where they were at. But what did God say? It's for my glory. Did God give them a big, long explanation? Not so much. He said, it's for my glory. So I just want to encourage you today. Man, you feel like you're at this impasse. You got to just remember whatever I'm going through, God will be glorified when I just say yes to him. Exodus 14, 18. God reiterates and he says, when my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Just another picture of, of it being bigger than just about the Israelites. God wanted, God was their God. He had said, I will be your God, you will be my people. He said that to the Israelites, it was his promise to them. And at the same time, God cared that the Egyptians also knew that he was the Lord. Why? Because our story is one part in God's grand story of showing his glory to all creation. Number two. We see that God goes before me and God goes behind me. God goes before me and behind me. Man, I, I think this is just a, such a beautiful picture of our life because so much, so many times uh, we, we, we see God different ways. You know, if you, if you grew up in, in some traditions of church, you saw God as kind of a, a far off God and, and you're just trying to please him and do the right things. And hopefully, maybe he's kind of proud of you if you do a little bit more good than bad. And if you do all the, check all the right boxes. And, but man, you can never really know for sure if, if God's proud of you or if he really loves you or not. You know, if you grow up in some traditions, you know, you see God as just an angry God. And, and man, I, I better just toe the straight and narrow or else I'm going to experience his judgment. You know, there's a lot of different views of God. But I love this picture that the, that the story paints of God is that he's not only leading, but he comes behind. He completely envelops you. He completely surrounds your life and he protects you. In Exodus 14, 13 through 14, it says, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Man, some of you just need to apply that to your life today. You need to remember that God's not mad at me. God's fighting for me. He is with me. He has my best interest in mind. You know, some of you, you, you might be facing bankruptcy, unemployment, financial difficulties, maybe a severed relationship, maybe a family problem, whatever is the Red Sea in front of you and whatever the enemy is chasing you, you know, behind you, whatever he's chasing you with, maybe he's chasing you with conflict or a disease or an accident or the death of a loved one or temptation. And God's like, hey, just sit still. I've got you. Remain calm. 
And then in Exodus 14, 19 through 20, it says that then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. So he was in front and he moved to the back. You see, the pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. And so we see a couple things. We see the angel of the Lord. We see this cloud. We see this fire. And all of it was symbols of God leading in front coming behind and protecting. It's an incredible picture of how God takes care of you, of how God not only leads you and is pushing you forward to something better, but comes behind you and protects you. Just imagine the Israelites were sandwiched in between an impassable obstacle, the Red Sea, and an army ready to enslave them. Do you ever feel like that in life, that there's just nothing you can do? You can't go forward, you can't go back, You're stuck. And God speaks and says, your only job is to stay calm and don't be afraid. Stay calm, do nothing, and chill out. How many of you, that's just really hard for you? That's really hard for me. That's really hard for me. If there's something I can do, I'm gonna do it. And if I can't figure what it is that I'm supposed to be doing, I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm beating down walls and knocking down doors, trying to do something, because if there's something that can be done, I want to be doing it. But God, sometimes, he's like, you can't do it. You can't do anything. You can't move the water in front of you, and you can't beat the army that's trying to enslave you. So just sit still. There's the times in life when you're sandwiched between impossibilities, things you can't control. Maybe you would love a spouse, but you can't find a spouse. Don't force it. Don't force it. Maybe you can't heal yourself and you you got this sickness. Nothing you can do. Nothing you can get treatment, you you know, but in the end, it's in God's hands. Maybe you can't find a job and and you've, you've done everything that you can do and you're just stuck. Maybe you're working three jobs. And you still can't get healthy financially. You can't get ahead. Maybe you can't change someone's heart that is close to you, that is running from God. And maybe they're a prodigal. And maybe they're making choices that you just can't control. And you feel like you can't move forward in that relationship. And the enemy just wants to take control. You're stuck. Maybe you're stuck in grief. And there's nothing you can do but go through it. You can't make the waters part. You can't, and you feel like, man, the devil's just creeping on your doorstep trying to take over and the darkness is just creeping in. And so in these times that Satan tries to get you from behind, he's gonna start speaking lies from your past, right? He's gonna start telling you that, hey, you, you've never been good enough. You've never been strong enough. You've never, you know, no, no one's ever liked you that much. That's why you can't get a job. You're, you're, you're not capable. You know, you'll never provide for your family like, like you want to. And all these lies from your past, you're not good enough. And so in those times, we've got two choices. We can be a slave to fear or we can be a watchman. We can wait for God's timing 
and his deliverance. Why? Because God is both in front of you and behind you. But sometimes you're going to be a place where you just can't see the way forward and you feel like you're being chased from behind and you are just stuck. You're stuck. And in these times, God's saying, hey, just be still. Stay calm. I'm going to do something for you that you can't. The question is, the question isn't, I'm sorry, the question isn't, will he rescue you? God is always rescued. If there's one thing that stories like the Red Sea tell us is that he always rescues. Always. He's a rescuing God. It's simply a matter of of how long and when. And will I stay put? Will I stay put or will I run back to my past? Will I stay put or will I try to swim across the Red Sea all by myself and probably drown? Listen to Jesus. Wait on the Lord. What does the Old Testament tell us? If you wait on God, you'll renew your strength. When you wait on Him. And some of you just need to hear that word today. The third thing that we see in this story, (coughs) and this is the big takeaway, the, the big application point for our life is that deliverance is a stepping stone towards surrender. Deliverance is a stepping stone towards surrender. What do we mean by that? What do we mean by that? When you look at the story of the Israelites, and this is just the beginning. This is the beginning of a long journey that we won't get into today. But this is, this is an amazing miracle. But after this, they still questioned God and they were still stuck in the desert for 40 years and wandered around. And, and, so, and so what do we take from that? We, we, we see that we don't stop at freedom. We've got to step into purpose. We don't stop just when God shows up. Oh, look what God did. Why? Because he's got more in front of us than he did behind us. And then if he parts the Red Sea, if he does an amazing miracle like this, he's just getting started. He's just getting started. So don't stop at freedom. You got to step into purpose. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord is freedom. Jesus leads us to truth. The Bible says that that, that the truth will set you free. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we experience him, we experience freedom. But it doesn't stop there. When I was reading through this story this week, man, just Exodus 14.31 blew up in me in in a great way. It says, when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians and what had happened... God had parted the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground. After they got through, what happened? The Israelites were chasing them across the Red Sea. The water collapsed in on them. And all of Pharaoh's army, including Pharaoh, perished. And so when the Israelites had seen the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. And then what does it say? They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Let me get this straight. Because you know how I said at the beginning, uh, you know, the Israelites is kind of like this is us. It's like there's this up, there's there's downs. And, and it's like sometimes we're full of faith and sometimes we're full of doubt. And sometimes we're doing the right things and sometimes we're falling away. And, and, and so when you think about this, you're like, then they put their faith in the Lord? 
What had the Israelites already experienced? They had seen God unleash these plagues on Egypt. They had seen this cloud lead them and, and a fire by night lead them. They saw the cloud and the angel of the Lord go from the front to the back and protect them. They saw the Red Sea part. I, I probably would have, would have believed after the Red Sea parting as well. They'd seen Moses do these miracles, but only upon deliverance, only when their enemy was vanquished, only when, when, when God just completely crushed their enemy did they put their faith in God. Man, that just struck me. And, and it begs this question in our, in our life. It begs this question in our life. What is it going to take for you to believe? What's it going to take? You know, God can do something amazing for you. And, and you could have seen God's goodness in your life. Maybe you saw it in your grandma's life. Maybe you saw God do something special through your parents. Maybe you already see God beginning to work in your life. But it doesn't mean that you put your faith in him yet. And why? Because deliverance is, is a stepping stone to surrender. You see, because where your faith begins is not where your faith should stay. Jesus brought them through the Red Sea. He did this amazing miracle in their life, but they weren't supposed to just stay on the other side of the Red Sea. They were supposed to continue in faith, following God into the promised land. And so where your faith begins is not where your faith should stay. You know, there's some things that you should keep from the beginning. Like Jesus said, don't lose your first love. You know, keep loving me just as you did at first. So there's some things you don't want to lose. But Jesus does huge miracles like this in your life. He takes you through, number one, to get you away from the slavery of your sin. But he takes you through not just to leave you there, not just, not just to say, hey, look what I did. But he's leading you someplace special. 1 Peter 2, 2-3 says it like this. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Man, some of us, man, we long for that Red Sea experience where God just parts the waters and he delivers us and he vanquishes our enemy and, and go God all the glory to him. And, and by the way, my problems got taken care of in the process. Amen. How cool is that? But when God shows his glory in your life and when he takes you through the Red Sea and when he conquers your enemy, the story's not over. He took you through the waters for a purpose. He took you through the deliverance for a, for, for a greater surrender. And once you get on the other side of that deliverance and once you get on the other side of that miracle, God wants you to say, oh my goodness, I'm going to surrender to you now more than ever before. See, it was on the other side of the Red Sea that they, that they put their faith in the Lord. Don't stop at a taste, church. What did it say? What does 1 Peter say? Now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness, cry out for the nourishment that comes from him. Surrender yourself completely to God because you just had a taste. You see, before the Red Sea crossing, they had followed Moses. So they'd taken some steps. And maybe you've taken some steps in your Christian walk. Maybe you've gone to class 101. Maybe you've, you've uh, begun to read your Bible. Maybe there's some, there's some areas in your life where you're saying yes to Jesus. 
Maybe you've seen some miracles. You've experienced some, some, some victory over sin and, and you've seen some wins in your spiritual life. You see, the Israelites back in Egypt, they had, they had said yes when God told them to do this Passover meal and put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost and, and, during, and, and, and God passed over them and it saved a member of their family while, while all the first, firstborn kids of the Egyptians died that night. And so they had, they had said yes to some commands and maybe, maybe like you, you're like, I've, I've done that. I've, I've, I've taken communion. I've put my faith and trust in Jesus. Check that box. You know, they were protected and covered by God. God was with them. And you know what? God's with you today too. And we experience a lot of the blessings of God, but that doesn't mean that we've yet surrendered completely to God. And this is one thing I see through this story. It's like, man, God can do so much in your life. And you can bestow upon yourself that label of Christian. But just because God took you through the Red Sea doesn't mean you're done following. And there's more. There's more. God's grace gives us what we don't deserve. But don't confuse his grace with his approval. Don't confuse his grace with his approval because, man, after they went through the Red Sea, man, they still experienced all kinds of rebellion in the desert, all kinds of not wanting to go with God, all kinds of doubting God. And so deliverance is a stepping stone to surrender. It's a stepping stone. And I just want to encourage you today, we need to move forward into surrender. We need to see that our lives are all about God. It's all about his glory, all about his praise, all about him. He's working behind the scenes. He's working in your life. He's fashioning your story. He's doing things that you will never understand and will never comprehend because his, his ways are higher. He's going before you. He's coming behind you. He's protecting you. He's shielding you. He's guiding you. He's taking you through the Red Sea. He's delivering you from your sin and he's setting your feet on a new path towards the promised land. And it's not time to stop. It's not time to shrink back. It's not time to just, just, just be glad about what God did in the past, it's time to step into the future and in what God has for your life. Because coming through the waters is not just about God doing something now, it's about where he's leading you. Amen? Amen. And not only is God saying to you, but he's saying to our church, he's not done He's been so faithful. He's done so much. He's, he's broken chains of addiction and bondage in your life. But hey, it's just time to surrender more. It's not done. The worst thing that we could ever do as followers of Christ or the church is just to settle, to sit back on our laurels and just thank God for what he's done. Why? Because in his word, there's endless possibilities. He didn't stop creating at creation. He didn't stop delivering after the Red Sea. He's got plans and a purpose for your life. So today, where are you at? Today, where, you are, where are you at? You might be kicking the tires of, of belief and trust in God, but it's time to put your complete faith and trust in him. Now, is it like, oh, I've got I've to surrender this much before God forgives me and saves me? No. You can't do anything to make God love you more. You can't do anything to make him love you less. The minute you put your faith and trust in God, you're forgiven. You're saved by grace through faith alone.
But that doesn't mean I've completely surrendered or that I continue to live in a state of total surrender the rest of my life. And so God's grace is big. We're not, we're not talking about that. I'm saying that there's so much more. And just because like, like the people that Peter was writing to, just because I've tasted a taste of the Lord's goodness and kindness, I want to completely move on towards maturity. I want to grow into a full experience of some of my salvation and God is worth it. And so where are you at church? I'm not preaching this message or saying this to you today to just make you feel bad about yourself and where you're at. No, I'm saying, man, if God did this and he's the same God that brought us through the waters and he's the same God that spoke life and creation and then he's the same God that is gonna continue to lead you into the next step of your life into a deeper surrender into the full experience of salvation to grow into all the maturity and all the likeness of Christ that he wants you to step into. So where are you at? Maybe that first step is like, okay, my life is not about me, it's about God's glory. Maybe that next step, oh God, you're going before me, you're coming behind me, you know, let me see you and just be still and know that you are God. And maybe it's, oh God, you saved me and now it's time to surrender more. It's time to continue to just yield. That every day, God, I'm yielding to you. I'm surrendering to you all my plans, all my dreams, all, all the vision that you give me. It's yours. It's not mine. God, this isn't my church. This is your church. God, this isn't my ministry. It's your ministry. God, this isn't, this isn't my time. It's your time. And I'm, I'm trying to be the best steward I can, but God, I need you. God, this isn't my family. It's your family. God, this isn't my money. It's your money. God, this is all yours. Thank you for your faithfulness. Help me to surrender more. So where are you at today? If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. If, if you're here today and you say, Joe, it's time for me to surrender my life to Christ, to put my tr faith and trust in him, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've been away a long time and it's like, oh man, God's been so faithful to me. It's time for me to surrender, to surrender my life to him and, and accept Christ as my savior and my Lord. If that's you today and you want to say, I want Jesus in my life, I need him. God's led me to this moment and it's time to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. If that's you today, just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Give a moment while the Holy Spirit works on your heart. It's time to surrender. Time to accept Christ. Amen. If you're online today with us, hey, you can raise your hand right in your living room because it's not about what I see. It's about the posture of your heart saying, God, I need you. Amen. If you raise your hand today, I just want to invite you to say a prayer, inviting Christ into your life. And it doesn't, there doesn't have to be special words. It can sound something just like this. You can say, Christ, come into my life. I put my faith and my trust in you. I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again on the third day. And from this moment forward, I surrender my life to you. Lead me. Help me to be a follower of you no matter what the cost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you pray a prayer like that, confessing with your mouth that you're a sinner, believing that Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says you're saved. 
and that you just began a relationship with Jesus. We got some tools and some resources for you in the lobby. So if, if that's you today, I want you to just let somebody know they're at the Welcome Center and they'd love to get a Bible in your hands, some resources um, just to help you in your faith walk. But hey, if you're here today and you're like, Joe, I've been following Jesus. I've, I've listened to some commands of Christ and I've seen God work in my life and, and he parted the Red Sea for me. And, and now it's, it's time to, to just, just, just push a little bit further into surrender. Maybe God's convicting me. And, hey, and as I did this message this week, guys, God's convicting me. It's like, Joe, what are you going to hold on to? As, as God does these amazing things in your life, what, what kind of surrender are you going to respond with? And so if that's you and you're like, man, God's calling me to just a, a deeper level of surrender. And, and you know what that looks like. Maybe it's your schedule. Maybe it's your checkbook. Maybe it's your um, maybe there's a, a pet sin in your life that that you're just having trouble letting go of. And it's time to get serious with God. Whatever that next level of surrender, I'm going to pray a closing prayer. And if that's you today, my hands up. If that's you, raise your hand and let's pray together and just trust Jesus. God, we trust you. That the same God that took us through the waters, that parted the Red Sea, that, that has done so many amazing things in our life. God, you fashion our stories. You come before us. You come behind us. You work in ways we can't imagine. That same God, we trust you with our lives as we surrender to you in a new way today. God, help us to never stop surrendering. Help us to never stop, you know, just saying yes to you. Help us to never stop yielding to the power of your Holy Spirit in our life. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, help us to quit trying to take back the reins of our life, but to each and every day just completely surrender to you. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.